0: Hello, I am Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you have joined us before, welcome back. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends to do the same. So, Thank you for listening, and now, let's get to my next conversation. Hello, Anna. Hi, Crystal. How are you? I'm good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. That's a a little (laughs) bit of a loaded question these days.
1: It is. It is. It's, It's kind of an interesting time, I think, um... For me, the, the change is really not leaving my house. So this, this is what's kind of interesting, I think, a dynamic that I have from my friends who work outside of the home.
0: Okay, so, so before we get to, to how you're doing that, let's give people a little bit of background on who you are and your okay. AOPI journey. And then we'll get to what you were doing and why this is different in a different way for you.
1: Okay, Okay. Um, so I was initiated at Lambda Tau Chapter at the University of Louisiana, Monroe. Um, I pledged in 1987, initiated um, in 1988, Uh, so I was a member there. I actually think I went five years. I was a five-year member. Uh, I stayed in school an extra year, and then... Um, I was the new member advisor um, for a couple of years and then I moved to New Orleans to go to law school and um, joined the New Orleans chapter there for a few years and then moved to Seattle and joined the Seattle alum chapter. Gosh, that was back in the day when I think I had to call headquarters and find a contact. <laughs> we, ended up, we, didn't, we had the internet then, but that wasn't the predominant way of finding inf- information, at least for things like AOPI alum chapters. And so I um, found uh, a contact and, and I joined the chapter there. We didn't have Oopsalon chapter at UW at the time, uh, it was uh, closed for the time it's now open, which I was excited um, to see that happen. And uh, I wasn't an officer or anything, just attended a few events like Founders Day. And then I moved back to New Orleans um, in 2006 after Hurricane Katrina and became involved in the alum chapter again, just simply as a member in 2006 and then moved permanently to the Baton Rouge area and join the chapter in Baton Rouge. And that's kind of how I moved around post-college. Um,
0: well, and I think that it really shows the strength of what, you know, we talk a lot in this day and age about what it means to be an active alumna member. And for a lot of our women, it's not that, Traditional construct of an alumni chapter. It's the quarterly coffee dates with a group of women or the annual trips away. But then for others, I find that it has really tethered them to our sisterhood in a way much like my own experience. To your point, I remember the day I moved to Picayune and called headquarters and asked Sherry Dutton, who was there at the time. Big love to Sherry for finding. Um, My place and the nearest alumni chapter to me in New Orleans, because that was how how you stayed connected back then before social media and all the things. And I have found that particularly in this day and age, um, our alumni chapters have really been a bit of a beacon during this pandemic, whether you're a member or not. uh, we, We have many Facebook groups and different online chat forms that I think have created a bit of a backbone for people to lean against in these wild and crazy moments while we learn to social distance and what that means. And, and I think that you are doing that really well for people who do not know, Anna, you are the alumni president of the Baton Rouge alumni chapter, correct? Yes. Yes. And I,
1: and I completely agree with that because I mean, the reason I reached out when I moved to Seattle was because I had actually never been to Seattle, not even to interview for the job that I took after law school, and I was just trying to find, like, to make friends besides my coworkers, and I felt like I needed something, and I was like, well, you know, I wonder if there's an AOPI alum chapter here, and I could at least meet a few people, and, um... The, the alum chapter, I think back then, was still pretty small. I think it's expanded now since um, I've left. But it was at least something for me to socialize with and hang out with people who I had something in common of AOPI with. And so that, to me, was something I I took with me in the sense of, like, I try to tell um collegians that I'm like, even if you, you know, go to one meeting or just join the chapter and, you know, maybe go to Founders Day or something, you don't have to do everything with the alum chapter. It can just be something that, you know, keeps you connected and who knows, maybe you'll meet some new people and make friends and connections. So that's, it's definitely one of the things, how I talk about my AOPI, you know, travels.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting. You know, we are as collegiate women. I was, and I think the same is true today. Very tired. You know, the college years. No, no. Where I am now, I also feel tired sometimes. <laughs> but but I look at. You know, I found a, a journal that those old. I, well, I shouldn't say old. That's dating me, but but they were they were these old nylon journal sort of calendar pages and you could just buy the refills that Kate Spade would print every year. This was before calendars were on your phones. And and I found one of those back just a few years ago and happened upon it in a, in a box that was hidden somewhere in the recesses of the attic. And I opened it up and thought to myself, how in the world did I do all of those things in one day? Because now I find that if there's something on an evening, I don't do anything else. Like, I don't try to fit five things in that same evening. But I think that comes with age and understanding that you're not necessarily Wonder Woman every day. And and right. yet, um, all of our collegiate women are doing all of the things we were. I was 20, 25 years ago. And so you're tired. And I think that one of the really great messages about being in an alumni chapter is that it is not the same from a a time commitment, from an exhaustive perspective. Because while I was tremendously rewarded by my collegiate experience, wow, I was tired. And I have often shared the story that when I came out as an alumna, my first like job quote, my responsibility with an alumna chapter once I finished grad school and moved back home to Jackson was to order the pizza for a collegiate chapter. And Anna, I would come to the next alumni chapter meeting. We would host them about once every month or so. And I would be so proud that I had ordered the pizza. And I would, I would walk in and be like, I ordered it. They ate it. Everybody was happy. The boxes have been tossed in the trash. And, and and that, to me, was all I could give at the moment. And these women, bless their sweethearts, they, like, clapped for me and cheered for me as if I had just finished a marathon. <laughs>
1: hey, man, if you ordered pizza for me, I...
0: You would also clap for me. But you know, I think that's the really great part of it is that as an alumna, it can really meet you where you are. You can be that person that can only make a phone call once a year, or you can be the person that's coordinating the events for everyone as you do. And And I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that because I love that you do themes for your alumni years. Um, you all choose a theme and then get a plan and you have input from all of your members about what that theme is going to be like. Talk to me a little bit about that when we are in traditional times. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, well, I actually, I kind of come up with a theme. I, I don't know. I'm a kind of a, a theme person. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that. Um, but I like a theme. I think it kind of carries through um, a year. I mean, maybe I get that being from New Orleans where we have Mardi Gras parades and they have themes for their parades or, I don't know, I, I've just always loved a theme. So um, I think, I, I don't remember, I used to be president of New Orleans and I don't remember if I had a quote-unquote quote theme. Maybe I did. Um, but I really have carried it through a lot more in Baton Rouge. And so I just try to think of things that are either AO AOPI- Related or Louisiana-related, and um, uh, this year I am using the um, concept of 2020. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard the the phrase "hindsight is 2020," meaning if you look back um, at what happened, you know it's clearer now that you would have done things differently or the outcome might have been different had you done something else well so my theme is hindsight is 2020 but we're not gonna look back we're not gonna have regrets we're just gonna have a positive year in 2020-21 and I, it's kind of ironic that all of this is happening right now and that's <laughs> the theme I chose
0: yeah that
1: we can't even meet right now but because this year has been kind of actually a little crazy here in Baton Rouge. Um, as you know, you, you participated in one of our meetings this year. Um, so in January, um, we were not able to have our meeting because of weather. Yes. Um, there was supposed to be torrential, like rain and tornadoes, and we did not have our meeting because of that. And then in February, um, my, uh, uh, one of my great friends, who's a new beta Slash Lambda Ta member. So that's funny that it um, that you're new beta and I'm Lambda Ta. Yeah. Um, she invited our tester to come and watch the parades from her florist shop. And the parade actually ended due to a tragedy that happened on the route. So that, that quote unquote meeting was sort of canceled because the parade sort of finished. Although I through. do
0: want to come back to that in a minute. So keep going. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> and then um, with Now, in March, we were supposed to have our Founders Day, which I will admit I held on to I really wanted to have it. Even the week of, I was still saying we were going to have it. Elaine, our hostess and our treasurer, and I were like, let's still have it. We're still under the 50 of gathering numbers. And then by, like, Wednesday, I think we succumbed and conceded that we just, in good conscience, Should not have Founders Day, and it sort of crushed me because I was like, We're we could finally have a meeting, but then not really, it wouldn't be great. And so, we have rescheduled hopefully for May 16th, and um, we'll see if things are back to whatever our new normal will be in May. If that's even a possibility, um, maybe we'll zoom our Founders Day, I don't know (laughs) if that will be an option, so um, but. So I'm still hopeful that we, we can finish out 2019, 2020, and maybe head into the new year with no regrets and start a new year fresh.
0: Well, and I think that to that point, I I am a, not even two hours from Baton Rouge, and I was supposed to attend Founders Day, of course. And, you know, we were watching, and, and it originally was 250, and then it moved to 50, and I think it was that Tuesday or Wednesday, they were like, okay, 10. And we knew at that point, and, and that's about the time you sent the message, and we're like, we just, we cannot do this. And and it is, to me, I, you know, I agree. I I sat down, I think, and canceled 11 different flights and trips and drives and things um, between now and the end of April that I had scheduled to meet with various chapters for different events, whether they were Founders Days or anniversaries. And, and it is a little devastating, and at the same time, we we each have an opportunity here to adopt a different perspective and and know that the sisterhood is still there whether we celebrate together in march or in may or or whenever the case may be what that will look like and i think that you're right like the idea of of having that 2020 perspective but but with a positive twist you know i think a lot of people use that as in oh i would have done something differently I think it's really great to look at it and say, okay, what did we take away from it? And while I do tend to be an eternal optimist, I am always very aware of reality and how it is impacting my world. And And I'm very accustomed to people saying, Crystal, we can do that, but we can do it in five years or 10 years or or whatever it may look like in in whatever world I may be talking. But, but I think that... It speaks volumes about the opportunity we have, even if it looks a little differently than we had hoped for. You know, we're looking at that across all platforms right now, whether you are an alumni member or whether you are a leaders council officer in our chapters for college, it it is a lot. And I think that's something that we all have a different perspective of what a lot means. But you, I feel like, are really taking an opportunity to keep your members connected via Facebook as the primary platform. I'm sure it's on others, but that's where I'm connected to your group because you have sort of these daily challenges that you are offering.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, well, so, yeah, after Founders Day was canceled, I was like, OK, then I now have nothing to r- really report on. So the first thing I did was launch our theme because I usually launch the theme now. It's a tradition at Founders Day of what the theme is going to be. So I told everyone that it was going to be the um, uh, theme of, you know, hindsight isn't 2020. And um, everything is going to be themed this year with various things dealing with see, sight, view, watch, forecast, all those different appearance, you know, the meetings will be themed something with one of those words. And So I did want to keep in touch even after that. I was like, okay, well I've announced the theme and we're working on our meeting, but I still wanna engage with our members in some way. And so I started calling it the Baton Rouge Alumni uh, area alumni chapter profile. And so I post a message each day on our Facebook, join our page if you want to, friend me on on Facebook. And so I ask either a series of questions or a question and hope that our members will answer them. I think they're funny and some are interesting and you're just kind of learning about your members in a new way that you've never known about them. And a lot of the interesting perspective is, is some of the people that are commenting are some members who are not actual members of the chapter who have just joined the Facebook page, which I am totally fine with. If you want to engage as an alumna member that way, that's fine. Um, Members who are paid members and, you know, maybe sometimes don't come to meetings. And again, if that's the way you want to stay engaged, I love it. That's the whole point of it. And so like today's post was called the BRAAC name game. And it's, I asked everyone what was the meaning of your name? how did your parents select your name and what were nicknames that you had when you were growing up? And, and I love reading everyone's stories. And some are, you know, just really simple. I was named after both of my grandmothers, or I was named after a nickname of so-and-so. And so it's been really fun to see that and see people's nicknames. And, and those are oftentimes the things you would never find out about someone at, even attending a meeting I mean I don't think it comes up really often that I would ever ask you how did you get to be named Crystal (laughs) right
0: (laughs) okay so so I haven't seen that one today because my day has been a little bit full so far what is your answer to that question
1: so mine is mine's kind of funny and some people know a little bit of the story so My name is Anna Melissa Guerra, and my legal name is actually spelled A-N-A, but my kindergarten teacher told me I was spelling my name wrong, and so I told my mom that that my teacher said my name was A-N-N-A, and my mom is old school, hardcore, on the teacher side, and my mom said, do what the teacher is telling you and spell your name, A-N-N-A. So I started spelling it, A-N-N-A, and... So since the age of five, I've, I've been Anna with two N's. Um, and, uh, but on legal doc- documents, my passport, driver's license, marriage license, it's all A&A.
0: Is it really then, you never um, went back to it?
1: I, I never went back. I, yeah, It's a, for the travel desk for my company, I drive them insane because I always have to remind them that, that it's just one N for flight tickets and, and stuff like that. Um, But both of my grandmothers are named Anna, so that's, I'm named after both of my grandparents, grandmothers, and that, and Melissa, my mom picked, because she didn't want to pick Maria, because Anna Maria is a very common um, Latin, Hispanic name, but at the time, Elvis had just married Priscilla Presley, and my dad was Really hardcore, trying to go for Anna Priscilla, and my mom vetoed it and put Animal <laughs> on my birth certificate. So um, I would have been either Missy or Prissy, either way. And uh, and then my last name is Gara, so my the meaning of my name altogether is graceful honeybee war. Um Gara means war in Spanish, so I actually really like my name. Uh, I, I know really
0: like your name, woman, also. So.
1: So I think it kind of fits me. I'm—I don't know if I'm graceful, though. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but I—I uh, I like honeybee, and then I like that my name means war. I did not take my husband's name when I got married. His name is Calvin, and uh, I think it's Scottish for like a coal miner or something dealing with coal mining.
0: So you said like, no. I will take war. So,
1: um, I—I've I, been Anna Guerra too long, so. At home, I'm Anna Colvin. It's fun. It's fun sometimes when I get mail when people will write Anna Colvin on the envelope or the package for me. I do love that. He loves seeing that. So I, I think that makes him excited when people call me Anna Colvin.
0: But I did not take his name, when I got married. That is really interesting. And I love the story behind it. Did you have any nicknames?
1: <laughs> I actually have a. a, a, a my dad used to call me Barbie because I loved playing with Barbie dolls. And he I guess that was his way of saying I was his his little doll. Um, Missy, my whole family called me Missy. And then I have one high school nickname that a lot of people know about. If you've ever been to my house, you've been to my house. So you maybe know this story that uh, my high school friends called me Pineapple. And it's because <laughs> in French, um, in high school, my friends called me Anana. Uh, and we had an exchange student from France, uh, not from France, I apologize, from
0: Canada, but the part that speaks French, like Quebec or something. She's like,
1: Anna, why does everyone call you pineapple? And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I was like, what? And she said, all day long, I hear people say "Anana, anana, anana. And she's like, in French, anana means pineapple. And so ever since then my high school friends started calling me pineapple, and so that was, that was my high school nickname, and, uh, so I then started collecting pineapples, so if you've ever been to my house, yes. I have, like, pineapples all over the
0: place. Well, and, you know, I, I always find it very interesting. I, too, love pineapples, to eat them and to have them in all forms, me too. but it's funny how you like people from different genres of your life know you as something different. Um, I, of course, am Crystal Grafton Combs now. To all of the people that I meet, and it's interesting because in in town where we live, I am Crystal Combs. There is no Grafton to it, but because of my. Um, my affiliation began with A.O. Pius Grafton, so I never dropped that When after I married, and it was on my licenses for various things. and And so that's become my very sort of formal official name. But when I was in the chapter, there were several crystals, interestingly enough, which is not, oh. I find, to be a particularly common name. And we all oh, spelled fair. it the same. And so there was... I was tall, so there was big Crystal, there was little Crystal, there was, but a lot of people uh-huh. just called me Grafton because that's how we distinguished between all of us, of course. But when I was coming up, my I had two uncles, so my grandparents, as many people know, um, primarily raised me from a very young age, and and they had four children. They had two boys and two girls, but the two boys had Down syndrome. And if you've ever had any experiences with um, people with Down syndrome, sometimes the speech is a bit of a challenge for them. And one of them could not say Crystal very well and, and called me Chris. So if there is ever anyone that calls me Chris, I know they are from, like, my people. Like, truly, like, the, the people born into my family that share a bloodline or that married in and know me from a very little girl. Because my Aww. grandfather and all of his generation – called me Chris because that's what Lesterdale could say was Chris. And so it's really interesting, um, even for my husband who is named Trey, but that is not his name. Of course, his given name, he is a third is very different than what we call him. And, and even his dental school friends call him H E. So, so anytime someone addresses him, I know which sort of generation of life it's from. And I always find that so fascinating so, I love this about that's you, cute. Anana. <laughs> <laughs> Anana, and I, and yeah, I love
1: that about Trey. I love, I love you guys that are, you know, the, the third, and they go by Trey or Trip. and so, yeah, I think that's cute.
0: Okay, well, so, to be clear, and while we do love his name, it, it is very deeply based in family, of course, but to be called Horace Eugene would have been an altogether different experience. <laughs> Although it is the reason that that Rapunzel is one of my very favorite of the princesses. Because her love was Eugene. So I remember that. Yes, I
1: remember yes, yes. I knew that.
0: And, but back to these questions. You know, there was one you even put out a few days ago. And, and I found it. They don't always pop up. I find that my algorithms are always a little bit wild and crazy on social media. But it popped up. And it, it was something about what is your favorite series? What would you binge watch again? What series would you be a part of on television? And, and my answer to every one of them was friends, friends, <laughs> friends, friends, friends. <laughs> like, oh, I know all the friends. I love that. But that was a really fun way. And I find much to your point, like some of these women, I don't even know. And I'll scroll through the comments and they just make me smile or laugh. And I'll, you know, do my little emoji or whatever the case may be. And and I think it's a really neat way to get to know people a little bit better so that when we do come together, we can have the conversations, whether it's something you know, serious about sisterhood and, and are we surviving and are we well, or whether it is about anana and pineapples. And, and, I, and I love this for what you are doing to create that connection for people who are part of the chapter or not. Um, and in the world outside of AOPI, you, you are an attorney. So that's a thing. And you actually teach attorneys to be attorneys, right? Like, isn't that what you do? Yes. So talk to me a little bit about that. I'm a
1: non-practicing attorney. Oh, okay. And so I'm a non-practicing attorney. I went to law school at Loyola Law School in New Orleans. And I started working for Thomson Reuters Westlaw when I was in law school and uh, as a student employee and I used to teach high school before I went to law school and discovered that, wow, I could use my teaching degree along with my law degree and teach students how to do legal research. So I was a student employee for the company and then decided to try and become professionally employed and got a job actually the week of the bar and went to um, Egan, Minnesota and um uh, for training and for three weeks and um, then all of a sudden started my career in Seattle, Washington. I had never been there. Uh, I knew that it didn't snow a lot, so I, you know, <laughs> was like okay with going to Seattle and started teaching at the law schools um, in Seattle. I had Oregon at some point. I've taught at the Northern California schools, Nevada, Idaho, um kind of traveling all over to those schools there and then moved back. And my current territory includes 12 law schools in four states. So I cover all of Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, and all in Tennessee. So those are my four states and I teach at all of the law schools, which is also really fun because there are a lot of AOPI chapters and houses at those schools. So Um, I will sometimes try to visit those chapters. For example, I was at Arkansas for um, 1L training, and back when I was a foundation ambassador, I contacted Cy Omicron and asked if I could do a presentation, and they invited me to dinner at the house, which of course I just melted over, because at UL Monroe, we did not have houses. We used to have a dorm, but that burned down in the early 2000s, and so, Anytime I can go to a chapter that has a house, I just love it because I did not have that experience. And um, I've been to New Beta. Um, I'm dying to go into the Omicron house now that I have Knoxville. I know Rhodes has a chapter, but I have not visited them. Um, I'm trying to think of where else um, I have that might. Oh, Vandy, I have not been to Vandy's house, so I'd love to go to that house one day.
0: So anyone listening to this, you all need to know that there is a standing invitation that Anna is ready to accept. (laughs) And yes,
1: and I'm always looking for meals and having company during meals. So that that is one thing that I I talked a little bit about, I think, at the beginning of the call that I technically work from home and I visit the schools, so... um, me working from home is not a new concept for me. Me actually not leaving to go visit my schools is the new thing for me. So that, that's been kind of the interesting. I, my last trip was to Knoxville about three weeks ago, and I have been home since then. I have not traveled for work since that time.
0: Well, and Anna, so how is that translating? Are Have you all just ceased this part of the education, or are you moving online for that? What does that look like for you?
1: Um, no, we've, we have not ceased. I am still emailing students. We have an online course system, so for any of my AOPI sisters that have gone to law school that maybe know, know what Westlaw is, I i the Westlaw manager, so I'll put that out there. I don't think I've said that. So I, I work for Westlaw and I t- teach the law students how to use Westlaw. And um, so we have an online course system called the West Education Network. So a lot of my schools went to all online using our online course system. So I was getting professors set up in mass like a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for example, um, uh, Ole Miss, um, Memphis all went all online and some of my schools are already all online like Tulane Southern um, use our core system so they were all online as well but um, no like just yesterday I zoomed with a Tulane class the professor invited me into his class so I was giving them uh, a class on learning how to use Westlaw in practice and So I had that class and setting up other classes. A professor messaged me that appellate briefs are due next week. So they're still working. So I have to help the students prepare for their appellate briefs and make sure they can upload them to the courseware. Um, Fine. Um, Law reviews and journals are still conducted their write-on competitions that usually take place in the spring and summer. So I'm also assisting them just as I normally would. I am just not leaving my house to do it. So we're doing a lot of emails, Zoom, phone calls. And so we're trying to learn how to do those things um, via different avenues instead of me visiting in their office and showing them online, either just you know in person online, trying to figure out new ways to do it while I'm at my house and while they're at their house.
0: So, so it is very different. I mean, even though you have some experience of what it means to work from home, this is still equally new and upending for you as well.
1: It is. Sometimes I feel like in a way, you know, my, my boss thinks or not my boss thinks, so maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but (laughs) sometimes I feel like, we're 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 trying to overcompensate because we're not able to see them in person. So we're trying to maintain those relationships in a new way. So we're trying to figure out, you know, what's how do we do that? So it's it's been interesting. I think a lot of um, people may think that, oh, well you already work from home, so that's pretty normal for you or it was an easy transition and and it is is in the sense that I'm very used to it. My I have a home office, my computer is here, I have internet set up pretty easily and all of those things. But now that I actually physically can't see my customer, I have to develop a new way of keeping that relationship. And it's kind of the same thing, like to kind of bring it back to AOPI is I have really not seen a lot of the AOPI members since our December meeting because the first three meetings of this year were canceled in some way. So I'm trying to keep those relationships and also just trying to keep our member kind of positive and give them something fun to do. Um, and so that, that to me is kind of translating into both AOPi and work. So it's like, how do I keep my customer happy and keep them engaged and you know, them knowing that I'm also still here, too, even though I can't see them.
0: Absolutely. Tell me, we talk a little bit on these episodes about how we are working to stay calm. Obviously, we've talked about connecting and adapting a little bit. Um, Things that we laugh about, particularly over the Facebook pages. Um, And then, of course, how we mellow out um, as, as part of just absorbing and adapting to this new world. Tell me, is there anything that you would offer um, to our members, our sisters, our friends, anyone listening about how you are staying calm during the midst of this?
1: Well, one of the things that I do is I craft. I do um, vinyl cutting. I make projects like tumblers. So I've been trying to just do a little bit more of that just for friends and personal. Um, like I just shipped out some tumblers that I made for people that I posted. I said, I'll give away five like treats and sent those off. And I just made some name, little name tags for my coworker who both of her daughters are home. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you know, like teachers don't get enough credit for what they do. And you know, so um, so I made some name things last night and I also started, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm going to make, I've been doing, kind of silly Facebook lives of me cooking because I think that's something else everyone did in kind of a, a quarantine sheltering in place panic. We all went to the grocery store and bought <laughs> everything in sight, whatever was left. And so I now have, I never keep this food in my refrigerator and now I'm like, I need to do something with it. So, But wait, wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Anna,
0: are Facebook you the videos. one, but wait, are you the one doing the cooking or is that you're, I mean, you are married to a chef, right? Well, he,
1: yes, he's he's a cook, but no, I'm actually doing the cooking. Okay, so you're he, not he, videoing him.
0: So you're not videoing no, him. This I'm, is I'm, you doing like the everyday cooking stuff.
1: Yes, I just, also, I don't know if I've ever told you this. My dad was a cook, so I no. learned to cook at a very young age.
0: I did yes, not know so this. I, I
1: love. cooking. I think it's also part of my staying calm mechanism. When I get stressed, I either bake or I cook. I know you're a baker. Yes. Um, But, so I love, I like cooking or baking too. I usually will cook more than I bake because baking requires measuring and being exact. But if you ever watch my Facebook live videos, you will know that I am not measuring or being exact. i I say splash and slush and dash and a flop, and like, those are my measurements. So, <laughs>
0: and I'm like, one and so a today, quarter teaspoons. Of- uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so I am cooking, and uh, today I'm gonna do a frittata. Jeff has never had a frittata of mine, so that's another fun thing that I've been trying to make things that I've never for him. I'm trying to think of what I made for him the other day that he's never had before. I can't think of what it was, but today it'll be a frittata. I've made it, I made a homemade egg McMuffin. Um, I made salad. I mean, that sounds silly, but I made a whole salad bar and showed everyone. So that's kind of just my fun way of being silly. And again, just staying connected with people that I can't see and be around. I'm,
0: Okay, but yeah, I kind I of love this. Talking. I need to go find your videos. That's <laughs> Especially for someone... So I do bake, but I, I do not cook at all. And, and I have attempted. I'm just terrible at it. And I think it's that that natural, oh, it needs a dash of this or a splash of something else. And I'm just not that girl. So I would really enjoy these videos. I'm not going to cook them at home, but I'm going to enjoy watching you do it while I eat, like, my cheese and meat selection that requires no cooking of any sort. Okay. Well, you would actually, I think
1: you would actually like it, too. And, again, not that you're going to go and, and make any of these. Oh, I made, I made a ceviche, which was i oh. a couple of people message me that they they made ceviche after I did that. But um, the other thing that I do is I keep calling it like cheats. I, I don't know if you ever watch the Food Network. There was There's the lady named Sandra Lee that's semi-homemade where she uses like half fresh stuff, half like store-bought. And, and I'm kind of the same way. I'm like there's sometimes it's easier to just buy chicken broth than to go and make your own homemade chicken broth. Oh I mean, yeah, I'm not
0: going to do that. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> right, exactly. I now, feel like there's the a really reason that, that there are companies that only make chicken broth. <laughs> like, it's because they would do it better it's, than I. Like. with you.
1: <laughs> it's that, and it tastes so much better, <laughs> yes. So that that's, those are the kind of things that I'm doing. I'm crafting, I'm being silly and watching, you know, making videos, I'm binge watching,
0: Things on Netflix. Um, so, I so I do have to say something about your, your crafting because, and this is what I was going okay. to reference because I, I did get to go to my very first Mardi Gras, like true Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans. Um, you had mentioned a mutual friend who is a new beta slash lambda tall. She started at one and finished at the other. and. And it was just such an amazing experience. It did end in a not amazing way. But you had crafted these fun things because, of course, I didn't realize I needed a bag to catch all of the things that would be thrown, which which in New Orleans are literally called throws. I um, had, had no idea of these things. But you also made these um, cups for us, these tumbler cups. And I have to tell you that that most of these days I have managed to do really really well um, but there are those moments and in the other day I was I just felt like I'd hit a bit of a wall just with the the pop and sparkle and the happiness and I just thought today today there is no pop and sparkle in my world I'm just I was at that wall and about that time I thought well at least I can get something done this morning before the rest of the house is up and moving and I um, had put your cup like in a very certain space and, and I picked it up and, I, and it just immediately brought me so much happiness. It was in the Mardi Gras colors and it was a just a great time of connection and sisterhood and meeting new people. And so then I filled that cup up and didn't get anything else done, but it absolutely changed the outlook of the day. <laughs> so oh, so day. while those things That's may... I do I do
1: that. Well, yeah,
0: and, and those things sure, may seem silly to us, But you have a talent that you are willing to share with the world. Like, I did see that post, and you said the first five people to comment, whom I've never gifted anything to before. And I just thought to myself, when that arrives to them, that will bring a smile for so many reasons, because you have this talent you're willing to share with all of us. And I think that's pretty spectacular.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that.
0: Anna, you know, I think you are an amazing sister. I have known you now for, for quite a few years in various roles and, and in AOPI. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate all that you are doing to keep us inspired and to stay calm during a crisis. And to thank you for being that source of inspiration for so many of us. And for everyone thank out you. there, You're welcome. thank you. And for everyone out there listening, as always, thank you so much and stay well.